esports. Don't you want these hitting okay. there? For sure. So like so too, but I, was, I don't really play poker. Hey, Noah. Like esports. Just blow on it. This here? No, uh, the top. Nope, nope, nope. Right there. Just pinch it with you. Have him pick it up and go for it. Esports. My name is. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, there you are. Mr. Right. Patrick, you can get your ass kicked. in the middle of Biscuit Master. That's good. Mobile. You don't know me. You're too old. Let's go. Some Lama do Lama. You assume I'm going what I got to do to get it through. That's Checking for ticks and warts. There's genital warts on my dog's elbows. Esports. Cute. That's the new <laughs> intro. I'm just testing the hairy yeah, water. No, right. yeah, yeah. Steve, you're welcome to hang out, but I know you gotta. Nope. Oh. That's a bad idea. Go ahead and. I was trying to insult whoever it was earlier. Just happened to be you. It's too bad. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it was close. Okay. Here we go. Esports. Sean, what's up, man? Hey. Yeah. How Not are much. you? Just but... hanging out in. Uh... Some shed here in America, somewhere. <laughs> That's right. So you're not from here? No, no, I'm uh, from Australia. Yeah, Sydney over there with the opera house and the bridge and stuff, some kangaroos and, yeah. Spiders. Like right in Sydney? Uh, yeah, I live about 15 minutes away from the CBD, but... um, <clears throat> What's the CBD? That's like downtown. What does <clears throat> it stand for, though? Yeah, we. I don't actually know what that's... Uh, actually... <laughs> I think it's the central business district, oh, um, nice. but you can call it the city center or central. Why would you think that would mean something to us? Just <laughs> throwing <laughs> CBD out there like that. Like well, geez. yeah, the CBD. Throw things at Roger I literally think, whenever you want. To. Yeah, uh, I've got this bottle. I might know. Um, it was just force of habit. I think you guys just call it downtown. So for me, when Americans were like, hey, we're going to downtown, I thought it was some ghetto place. I was like, <laughs> where are you taking me? But it is, in fact, Central or CBD or like city center or it yeah, makes yeah. more sense. No cannabis. We're all we're all there with you. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Well, and then what brings you to the states? Um, so initially, I just uh, finished my degree, um, studied music in Australia, and um, graduated. And thought it would be a really good idea to just travel the world while I'm young, don't have any responsibilities. And then I met a guy over in Detroit. Um, his name is Brian Gottschall. I think you've had him on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. Another I just have not posted his episode. Your episode's probably going to come out before <laughs> his episode does. Ah, there we go. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, um, and he told me about this tour that he was planning and um, about this guy called Noah, some random dude. Um <laughs> We should get him on here sometime. Ah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, God, is that God's gift to Earth? <laughs> Go uh, away, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's been great local. having everyone on the podcast. <laughs> We're going to close up there. Signing off. Uh, thanks. Um, <laughs> this won't get better. <laughs> <laughs> we already. It's Shut a pinnacle. Up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can hear uh, subscribers leaving. <laughs> Yeah, no, and uh, they t uh, Brian told me about this tour that he was planning, and um, I was gonna, I was going back to Australia anyway, but um, I crunched some numbers and figured that hey, I could actually afford to come back and play some music, and um, some of my friends are getting married in Portland, so I thought hey, I could go to the wedding and do some music, and uh, yeah, so that's why I'm here. Cool. Uh, what kind of? So you did a house tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We. Uh, Is this your first house tour? 
Yeah, this is like the first time that I'm really performing as me. I've done like little, little shows, but um, I figured... Like in a band with other people or... Yeah, yeah. Or just solo at like a cafe or busking or just like nothing substantial. Um, Yeah, and these guys, they're both really talented songwriters and experienced performers. And so my only goal was to learn how to actually do that better. And um, yeah, that happened. So that's really cool. Was it uh, fairly intimidating playing with these guys? Mm, I don't know if intimidating is the right word. Um, It was challenging. Um, Yeah. But no, they were very welcoming. Um, Yeah. So it's good. good. I love it. Uh, okay, so what are what are maybe the two or three moments or memories, experiences that you've had that would really help if you wanted a complete stranger to know, like, this is who you're dealing with? Yeah. <laughs> what, are, what comes to mind? So despite my funny voice, I'm actually not Australian. Mm. Um, I'm, I was born in South Africa. Uh, my parents were born there, and my dad got a job over in Australia, and so we moved there when I was nine. So that's probably... One one thing that people don't know or won't notice unless I'm I tell them about it. Um and uh I think it's played a, a role in my development in that um there's a there's a cultural shift and yeah. I never quite feel at home in Australia, even though it's been my home for like thirteen, fourteen years now. It still does feels dislocated at times. Like none of my extended family's there. I don't have those childhood memories that other Australians have. And so similarly, like coming to America, there are things that you guys have experienced that I haven't. And same thing with Australia. I haven't experienced it. So that common um, background isn't shared. So that's probably the one that I'd start with. Um, Yeah. Uh, Second one. uh, This one goes a little bit deeper. Uh, When I was 13, my parents got divorced. Um, I think, so this would have been post the move to Australia. Yeah, okay. yeah. So we were just settling into Australia. I just got into a school, started making friends. Um, and then that happened. And so it sort of threw a spanner in the works, created some insecurity within myself, some doubt. Um, at the time, wasn't really a, a active Christian. Um, and yeah, so when that happened, I remember sort of running away from a bunch of things. But uh, I think... What flipped it on its side was just the fact that God used that in such a beautiful way and actually brought us closer to him through that. I don't think I'd be a Christian if it had been for that divorce. So in a crazy sort of way, yeah, that's how it played out. Um, And then finally, I love music. Um, It's sort of a, a gift and a curse at the same time. I feel so drawn to it. To the point where it feels like if I did anything else, it would be a betrayal of that. And so in that sense, it's like a achievement-driven lifestyle. But I'm coming to a point now where I just want to enjoy it for what it is and be willing to actually just do life for what life can be and in the routine nature of it, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Just what are all the different things that you're interested in in life? It sounds like music is number one. That's the mm, primary. Mm. But what else? what else do you love doing? Oh, I'm sort of the classic, uh, I love movies, video games, uh, books. We went to uh, a crazy bookstore today. I can't remember what it's John called. John K. King, books, oh, yeah. used bookstore in Detroit. Yeah. I've been there yet. I it's really got like to. four million used books. It's, I guess, the fourth biggest used bookstore in the in, in America. It's yeah. insane. Anyone I, who hasn't been should go. Yeah, I heard <coughs> Steve North like, brings 
his <sighs> bus up there and like just takes people and hung, hangs out. Yeah, for the day. it's like it's sweet. it almost feels like a museum more than a than a bookstore, but it's totally just a bookstore. It's crazy. Yeah, so I love books. Recently been reading uh, Brendan Sanderson. Uh, yeah, look him up if you... Brendan Sanderson. Yeah. Okay. What's the name of that series? Uh, the, it's, it's The first one's called The Way of Kings. Archive. It's the Stormlight Archive, and it's Brandon Sanderson. Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, Darren. Darren. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's the accent. You learn a cultural difference there. No? It's Brendan... The, you said the Sandstorm Archive? <laughs> Dingo Stormlight. Storm... <laughs> <laughs> Stormlight. Um, okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, going on from that, I love nature. I love the beach. Australia mm. is like basically one massive beach. <laughs> just um, any direction. You yeah. Go. Michigan like, too. Just not the fun kind. <laughs> <laughs> just the cold, freezing. Hey, it's gonna yeah. snow kind of beach. What if it was rocks and the water was made of ice? Go. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Um, yeah. Nature's awesome. We've got like we've got a little farm out back, and uh, got like six alpacas, two dogs. We had three cats. One of them got taken by snakes. So, literally, Sean's snake stories slash spider stories are like the most horrifying (laughs) crap I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you've told them a bunch, but we should get into at least one at some point because they're horrifying. Snake stories. Yeah. Or spider. Or spider. Either one is the worst. <laughs> yeah, because doesn't Australia have like some crazy spiders? Yeah. No. Yeah, it, uh, no they're cool. Well, yeah, they, they're, they're around a little bit. Uh, yeah, when you least expect them, they'll, they'll just come out and say hi. <laughs> yeah. Friendly. All right. We'll get into that. Uh, okay. So music, books, movies, video games. Photography a little bit too, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, my friend recently gave me this really nice digital camera just for my travels here, and I've been mm. trying to fiddle around with it, change all the settings. There are way too many settings. <laughs> just mess them all up before yeah. you hand it back. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Oh, no. The, the thing is, he he. I offered to, to, like, I was like, if there's any damages, I'll repay you for them. And he looked at me. He's like, no, um, I want this one to be yours. Oh, um, man. And I was like, dude, I'll buy it. He's like, no, no, you take it. And um He's actually, I'm going to brag a little bit, um, last year he won the the award as the best student student cinematographer in Australia. So he's uh, currently working on his second feature film, um, which he got a grant for, and yeah. Damn. It's a good dude. That's really cool. Nice. <coughs> um, okay. Video games. <laughs> uh, Get into it. Well, Do I don't it. know. This is a uh, dangerous territory. Um. No, top I, three, top three video games. That's a good three. start. Uh, probably the first, yeah, yeah. That's it, cool. Dude, first off, do you do you guys play many much video games? Is that a thing that you're into? Oh yes. Oh yeah. Well, Rogers sort of does. Rogers in like this weird cutthroat world of sports games that have no soul or story. Which but, um, sports yeah. games? Have you heard of a sport, sport Harry? Like, can you worst. name a sport? <laughs> sports games. It's a sports. <laughs> Yeah. Look at those no, Everybody, everybody here is at least as nerdy as you are about something. So there's nothing. Yeah, yeah go for it. Oh, okay. Well, I think to kick it off, I'd say The Witcher 3. I've not played it yet. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Incredible. It's based I feel like I'm books. about to say I've not played it yet three times in a row. <laughs> you might, but all three of the ones I think he'll name are probably ones you should super play. Um, yeah, that one. Actually, there's one... It's called Horizon Zero Dawn. I don't know if you've mm. heard of that. I have never played that. It looks really cool. Dude, though. yeah. It's like 
I don't know. It's, it's just good, bro. You should play it. <laughs> That's a comprehensive review you give. <laughs> yeah, it's like this chick who kills uh, robot dinosaurs, man. It's awesome. Who kills robot dinosaurs? A, a chick. Oh, a chick. Yeah. That's sweet. But it's you. So if you're a man and you've got... um, Yeah. Com- like, right. Yeah. yeah. So it you, sounds kind of like yeah. a Mary Sue situation, but... Let's not... Yeah. <laughs> Let's not relive that. And then number three? Uh... Actually, I could go back to a classic. I haven't played this in years, but when I did play it, I really enjoyed it. But uh, the uh, the old RuneScape. Oh man! Oh, yeah, it brings back like cringy memories. But you yeah. you know that when you were there, you enjoyed it. Yeah. So. I was in the age group where it was like RuneScape. By the time it was a thing, was I was like you were twenty five. Oh, I don't play that. So then I was like, World of Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's easily what like ten. Yeah, ten years ago, oh, at least ten. Now. Dude, I played RuneScape. RuneScape <laughs> I was still in my. I think I was in fifth grade, which would have been two thousand five, when it was like starting mm. to get big. Dude. And I, I think I died once, lost all my stuff, and I said, "It's unfair that that happened." <laughs> I'm never playing that game again, and I never touched it again. Wow. And I had some like Van Halen related username. So anyway, yeah. it was good. Good year in my life. It's a real bonding point for me and my stepbrothers. So I think, yeah, it's a good way. Good way to do it. <laughs> Man. That's fun. What what was like the so RuneScape was super old. Do you remember the first video game you ever played? Oh heck. Actually. Do you remember? It's all good. You all can <laughs> I think on actually this is gonna sound weird, but um I think it was um Hercules on PlayStation One. Oh man! Yeah, that Disney movie, like one, is amazing, and the game was just fun. To <laughs> Hercules into. was the first movie I ever saw, actually. Really? Yeah. I, they, my parents took me as like an infant, basically, <coughs> so it's technical. But you guys are just now discovering this commonality. No, oh, yeah. This could be the basis of your entire friendship. Yeah. <laughs> or it should things take a turn for the serious? I mean, well, we could adopt. Hey, I'm I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks for this. I'm gonna move to Australia with you. <laughs> first game you ever played was on PlayStation. Yeah. So you're pretty young. Yeah, yeah. Or you yeah. started playing games like how old, how old are, you? are you? I'm 22. Yeah. 22. Oh, yes. Yeah, just starting out. Kicking I, I was close behind you, though. I think mine was Treasure Planet on PS2. Wow. Oh, no, I played Pokemon Red before that. Somebody gave us a hand me down Game Boy. Mm. Yeah. Like, Roger. Well, you and I are about the same age. Did you play any 60. PC games when you were a That's, kid? I've still yet to play a console game. Okay. I mean, other so, than like at my friend's. Do house. you remember Commander Keen, the Apogee? games all three of us win steve just asked for the microphone just to say i think what you just said and then was <laughs> like never mind we're good do you remember <laughs> cosmo another apogee no I character never cosmo. and then there were all the the uh the lucas arts uh adventure games yep. were these like you guys just like sticks outside is that what we were talking about here Wait. like you guys just threw rocks at each other and called it the same thing? And that was, no, Atari, a gunfighter for Atari, which is supposed to be like high noon gunsling in action, and your entire character is like seven pixels. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's why we Commander can blame King. Al Gore for the warping. I lost, I lost myself in the Commander King. It was so good. <laughs> it was so good. Love it. Nothing will ever top Age of Empires, though. Do you think they remake that in VR? I just thought of that just now. Commander Keen in VR. Jeez. And and they have to make a special edition Writing of the VR the unit where you're wearing ideas. the helmet that he wears, right? Whoa. Come on. 
I'm every person lie. over 30 is going to buy this. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Yeah, you're say. not being interviewed anymore. I don't so think I was born <laughs> Roger is subsumed We just this remembered whole Commander Keen was a thing. Yeah. So. It's been great talking to you, Sean. Thanks this for coming just from Australia. <laughs> Australia. <laughs> yeah. Australia's great. See you later. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Roger, we can't tomorrow, all be right? Mormons, okay? Heading back to Australia. <laughs> oh, no, I'm heading to North Carolina tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, Charlotte. I love Charlotte. I've been there a couple yeah. of times. That's cool. The secret lies with Charlotte. What uh, What's in Charlotte? Uh, my auntie uh, from Australia, I mean, South Africa, who I hadn't seen in like 18 years, I think. So like... Oh, it's a relative in yeah, North Carolina? Yeah, yeah. They moved here from South Africa that's like, ages ago. But, I remember yeah. this now. So that would be awesome. awesome. Yeah. I like Charlotte. Have you been there before or just this is the first time? Yeah, first time. Uh, jumping on the Greyhound, which I hear is a... Uh, the most uh, wonderful way to travel here in the you States. A, uh, th- you don't need to hear from anyone. You've had the most <laughs> horrific bus experience of any person I've ever oh, talked to ooh, in my let's, life. Let's get into yeah, that. Yeah, well, so coming to America, I was uh, unaware. That's uh, yeah. Uh, and so uh, I thought I'd uh, arrange uh, affordable travel you know, plans. Yeah. And uh, I went up to Vancouver, Canada and was like, dude, this is nice. Uh, I need to head to Detroit. So... What I might do is book a Greyhound and uh, take it from Vancouver, Canada over to Detroit. And I ended up being on that bus for 65 hours. Whoa. Can you tell us how much money you saved versus the airfare you would have paid? This is um, my favorite part of the story. Uh, I don't like that's not important. I'm going to go ahead and say it was about $40. <laughs> that's roughly Unbelievable. It. Oh, my goodness. It was like a dollar an hour, which I saved. So like, hey. So for you, pretty good. But you yeah. don't always get to sleep on the shoulders of murderers. <laughs> actually, <laughs> you laugh, but that was something that actually happened. I was sitting there, and uh, this guy in a mechanic uniform came and sat next to me, and I was like, oh, this is a strange uh, outfit to be wearing. But uh, it's Greyhound, so, you know, let's see where this goes. Lean into it. Anyway, I, I give him some of my uh, some snacks, and uh, I asked him where he's headed. He's like, yeah, I'm heading to... Uh, Minneapolis and I was like oh, cool and then I fell asleep and I woke up like almost leaning on his shoulder and um, we have another chat and he very enthusiastically asks me uh, what the weed in Australia is like and I said well unlike here it's illegal so um I don't I don't know uh, it's mostly illegal to... here still actually. oh it is yeah oh, in Michigan isn't it like partially there's still like, a partially? lot of like red tape you gotta go Ohio's oh, okay. still out right I think so, yeah. It's oh. there's a lot of licensure you need, but there's there's a couple states where it's a little it's mostly legal. Oh, okay, cool. So it's not cool. He was just obviously very like excited by sure. the prospect. Um okay. anyway. Australian Well weed. he heard that you guys have C B Ds downtown, so it sounds yeah, like some sort right. of cannabinoid. Oh, you get into background. that, you yeah. won't get out. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> The ghettos of Sydney. <laughs> the ghettos. Yeah, that's real. Um Anyway, at some point, he, he just, in a passing comment, he's like, yeah, I just got out. And I was like, I don't know if I should read into that. Anyway, so I fall asleep again. I was gone for like three hours, and I wake up again and um, realize, oh, we've only been traveling for like 20 hours. I'm not even halfway. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I talked to this guy, and um, he's like, yeah, I'm coming from Texas. I haven't seen my family in like 10 years. And I was like, oh, oh. math. <laughs> Matt, yeah. What does that mean? I'm like, oh, like so you were you were there. For- he was on furlough as a pastor. <laughs> That's what was going. Took on. his ten year sabbatical <laughs> that you get at seven in years in the clink. <laughs> uh, a decade of prison ministry. Yeah, he was just doing his job, like bring glory to the kingdom. Um, <laughs> anyway, at some point, I I get risky and I give him some more snacks, and 
you know, food, it's a good way to do it. Um, and so I ask him, like, uh, what'd you do? And in a moment of nonchalance, he was looked at me and he was like, ah, I killed someone. Mm. And I was like, ah. And at that point, I was like, ah, oh, well, if I was going to die, I'd be dead already. So I might yeah. as well not freak out about this. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, it turns out he got out early because of his mental health. And um, to be honest, like, I wouldn't have picked it at all. Like, he was yeah. really gentle, softly spoken dude. Um, he said he couldn't remember what he did. I don't know if I said that. I might have oh, said I that. don't remember that. Um, yeah. And he went and bought me some snacks because I shared some of mine with him. So Man. Yeah. yeah. And he killed you. That's uh, yeah. one of my... I wish I wish everybody had the experience of going into prisons and meeting meeting the people who mm. are in there because it's really they're like, Oh, y'all are like people. Yeah. It's just I think in the end, like I mean you can't excuse the behavior, but in the end, like we all live in a broken world and quite often I think it's the environment that, that you grow up in where you just you just don't know anything else and yeah. that's what you're surrounded by, like I've heard a lot of uh, talk about Chicago and how dangerous it is and the gang mentality of, you know, fight or flight and you, you have to survive, but you don't see an escape door. And so you, you, you just sort of stay in that system in yeah. a way. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Um, dude, I'm, now I'm <coughs> thinking of like three different directions I want to go. Is Commander Kane one of them? No, he's Dang gone. He's Roger, there. your mic has been he's never gone. <laughs> I'm muting your mic. Um, We'll save that for later. Uh, potentially. I want to see where it goes. Um, okay, that's cool. So, sat next to a murderer. Makes sense. <laughs> On the Greyhound bus. Greyhound. <laughs> he thinks Do it's we? the only time he's sat next to murderers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, right now, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five. How many are there in here? <laughs> so, how did you end up discovering music? Well, wait, you discovered music? Yeah, look, I tell us of this music. I founded it for uh, (laughs) the whole world to enjoy. I'm uh, (laughs) Kanye and uh, Beyonce put together. Sure. Um, Have you guys ever listened to Kirsten? Do you mean music? It's called (laughs) Kirsten. (laughs) I discovered it. Um, Stern right. Ah, yeah, growing up, I think, well, first off, my mom's a music teacher. Um, but I'd never thought that I'd be the one doing music. Um, my brother was always in choirs and singing songs and he's older than me three years. And, um, yeah, anyway, so I just remember one day in church, I was like, I don't know, five. And I saw a guy sitting up the front and it was like a big like church and it was tiered. And so I could barely see the, the bottom, but I just saw him playing guitar and singing. And I was just so struck by that. Yeah. And I never did music after that. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, anyway, <laughs> but I had a passion for it. I was like, this, if I could do anything, I want to do this. Um, but anyway, life went on and I got really into sport. And um, uh, I was doing cricket, which is Australian sport, um, and some rowing. And rowing was the real big one for me. Um, we We were going to nationals and we were going to go row in England. And my goal was to like, get a scholarship and just really take off and it was looking good um and then suddenly I got a back injury and um I was how old was I 14 13 14 and um like what kind of back injury uh it, I've got a um herniated disc um 
yeah, so it's sort of when the vertebrae like press in on the, the cartilage and sort of just, yeah, I don't know. And so sometimes the disc will slip out and hit a nerve and it just causes spasms and yeah. And so sport was suddenly off the table and... Um, was that, uh, before you move on, was that like um, a feeling of loss in that uh, moment? Yeah, for sure. For me, it was the one place that I could go that was away from family, away from home, all the brokenness um, that I could just pour everything into. Like we'd uh, we'd uh, have training sessions before school, starting at five in the morning, then during school for, for half an hour at lunchtime and then after school again. We'd do that every day for the five days. We'd have a Saturday training session in the morning and then Sunday we'd have off and then repeat. Um, so we had 10, 11 sessions a week just rowing and exercising and um, it was amazing. Um, and being just being active in that way, like it just really helps. It does something for the mind. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what I needed. And so when that was suddenly gone, like it was completely gone. I had all this time, my mind wasn't finding a release and I was just stuck. And um, yeah, then I went to a music festival called Easter Fest. Um, it's a Christian music festival. And I remember seeing a few bands play. One of them was... Yeah, who's, who's um, the bands? That play the Australia circuit. There was well, a, Newsboys had to have been there, right? That's like they the, were. I'm yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we had. Uh, they're from Reading. Some version of the Newsboys. Was it Bethel? One iteration. It wasn't Bethel. It's the uh, uh, Elevation Elevation uh, music. Elevation worship band. Yeah. And then there's one. I think. Uh, yeah, Mercy Me. Those sort of bands. Switchfoot, uh, Reliant K. Um, and I was like, I want to do this. Um, and <clears throat> yeah, I guess you could debate God's calling and how that functions, but it was it was kind of strange. Um, before I'd even, while I was doing rowing, I went to this music festival once, and um, a random stranger walked up to me, They're like, "Hey, I don't don't know why, but I just felt God put this on my heart to share with you, and um, just felt He was telling me to tell you that He's going to use you in music." Um, <clears throat> so whether you you see that as a self fulfilled prophecy now or whether it's more than that. Something I'm not, more, right. Yeah, I'm not really sure. It's, uh, yeah, that, yeah, anyway, so. um. But it, like, planted. Something. Yeah, it planted yeah. a seed in my heart, I think, and um, from there I, I went to YouTube and I tried learning guitar <laughs> and uh, I gave up a week later. <laughs> and then. Uh, Wait, I <laughs> you can't learn guitar from YouTube? <laughs> yeah, man, it was. Uh, <laughs> <I> totally can't. <clears throat> uh, and then I went back to the same music festival the next year. Same thing happened. Um. And then, uh, um, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, lost my train of thought. Sorry, my hand no. signals. No, no, it's good. Then I went uh, back and uh, went back to YouTube, felt I wanted to learn, and I picked up uh, The Only Exception by Paramore. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's the first song I ever learned. Um, learned the chords. That's the one where she, like, bottoms out her range, right? That song. You are the <laughs> yeah, only so, exception. Except cool. Yeah. yeah except, except good. Yeah. Except good. Yeah. I do love Paramore though. Yeah. And that's how I started. Um, that's how I discovered music. Initially, my dad was like, you need to not do that and spend your time doing something else. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And then I uh, started singing in the shower and he was like, you need to not do that. You can't sing, dude. And I was like, oh. Oh, so interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, he's a he's an awesome man, um, but he's very analytical. And uh, for 
uh, analytical-minded person who's driven largely by finances. Not so much anymore, but he was. He didn't see it as a viable career option. And so, yeah, that's part of the journey, but that's sort of how I got there. Yeah. Okay. How does he feel about you coming to the States to do a tour? I don't know, to be honest. He didn't really tell me <laughs> how he felt, uh, to be honest. He definitely thinks you're making the whole thing up. He knows you're here, <laughs> yeah. but he doesn't believe you're on tour. He's like, uh, you playing music? Are you sure? Um, you call that music? No. Uh, um, <laughs> so tell me about the heroin you're selling in America. Is it, is it pure? Man. So out the gate didn't necessarily be weren't necessarily surrounded by people like oh man go for this yeah no not at all um i Uh, think when when did that actually so you saw that 14 15 years old yeah then when were you like it's time um mm, i think for me it was sort of like i wanted them to be involved and see it as something that I could pull off but even though they didn't necessarily see that I still in my heart was like I can I I think I can do this um whether that's a reality or not I don't know but that's where I'm at right now just coming to a realization of hey I just want to enjoy this I don't want to make it more than it needs to be um but I think of all of them like my brother has always been there like he he's always been the one to be like dude just do it man just go for it if you enjoy it and you love it and yeah, just go. So What's your brother's name? His uh, his name's Estian. Estian, I yeah. like Estian already. I love that. Yeah, he's a <laughs> he's a flipping legend. That's so cool. Uh, is he your only sibling? He, uh, no, I've got nine brothers and sisters. Um, not all full, some half. Um, he's my full brother, who's three years older than me, so he's twenty five. Uh, getting married in September, so that's exciting. <coughs> and then I've got a. A sister who is 11. Uh, she's my full sister. I've got a half-sister. You can do this for all of them? I, I just, can. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't have to. settle in for the long haul. We're boring you, Roger. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go I'll back to your podcast. <laughs> What's that? Commander Keen? Keen? Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Can we talk about Keen? that? I'll yeah. set nine. How old is he? Shut up. <laughs> nah, yeah, there's uh, there's many there. Um, are you, yours full? or, Dude. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so am I. <laughs> we all. And if any of you are listening, yes, so am I. <laughs> Just to reiterate. You yeah. know who you are. Man. Mm. So uh, brother came along and was like, you got to do this. Mm, yeah. He was uh, always very invested. Okay. Yeah. And so I guess the question being, when when did in your mind you go like, I'm going to actually, like it's a part of my life now. I'm working on this daily weekly whatever the rhythm was um i think it was like a it sort of blended into my life in that way i think i finished school and i didn't consider myself ready to actually study music in a academic setting i'd never had any formal training so it was all just youtube um so i went into missions uh for six nine months with youth with a mission which is ywam um and that was music focused and so it was very much worship leading and songwriting and yeah, so that helped me a lot to just play with people and to yeah, be a bit more proactive. And then I finished that and um sort of just fell away from everything, fell away from God, fell away from music and like it was it was crazy for about I think 
It was about a year. And then one day my mom was like, hey, you know, you should just check out that university's webpage that you were thinking about studying music at. Because it was one of the only universities that didn't require, like, pre-learning. Um, and I went to the website and I thought it was just a newsletter. I don't know whether I was stupid or whether it was like that or not, but... It basically just asked for your email address and what you were inter interested in. And so I was like, oh, all right, let's do that. Then they called me and they were like, hey, uh, these are possible audition dates that you can do. And I was like, uh, I'm not. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't know I was signing up for an audition. <laughs> yeah, the, the crazy thing is the auditions were in Sydney and I lived in North Queensland. So it's like. That is crazy. If you were to drive, it's 24 hours drive, you know. Um, Dang. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Americans are amazing with geography, you, so we knew exactly what you meant. How do you describe that? That's um, by India, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> go through China and then over to Russia and then you're in America. Um, Solid. <laughs> uh, land of the West. It's all good. of that. That all West. sounded right to me. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's how it works. So, uh, what part of Texas is Australia in? <laughs> <laughs> the part that ain't the, free. The left part. Um, the left part. Yes. Um, you're darn right. <laughs> uh, before we totally lose track, do you remember what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> I just lost total track. Yeah. He's talking Audition, about the auditions. auditions. Yeah, so far. Yeah. So, anyway, I was in Sydney by chance, um, did the audition, got in, and that's sort of when I thought, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go for music. That's cool. Uh, the phrase of kind of like walking away from God, all of that, what was the kind of the first hole that got poked in whatever belief structure that you had? Uh, Ooh, um, I don't, I think it was a lot of pride, if I'm honest, uh, going to missions, I had this, uh, very judgmental outlook on routine Christians, if that makes sense, people who just work, and I had this superiority complex of, oh, I was a missionary, and, um, I'm doing it right, um, yeah, and so that just built up a lot of pride in my life, and when I got home, um, fell into depression, I uh, felt used by the church. Uh, and again, looking back, I don't think that's what actually happened. I think it's just the way... It's I, what you were experiencing, though, or yeah. how you were interpreting it. Yeah, yeah. And so I think God was just humbling me a lot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then what... It sounds like faith is still a, a big part of your life. Yeah. Um, so when I moved to Sydney, I was essentially running away from God. Um, cut a lot of ties with a lot of friends. Um which I regret, um, but they've been restored now, which is good. Um, but yeah, I went to Sydney, made a bunch of bad decisions and, um, just came to a point where I was just surrounded by brokenness. And, um, I, it's that classic place of like, ah, oh, dude, I feel so broken. I don't feel like I can, I can actually come back to who God is. Um, and my understanding of who he was, was so distorted that I'd go to church and I just, laugh it it felt so just stupid to me i was like what is this what is happening here? yeah it just yeah. didn't make any sense um but then i was so broken and essentially the only thing that i felt god was saying was all i need from you right now is to know that i love you that is it That's and then the man yeah that ultimately had it been any other message i wouldn't have come back i don't think so yeah yeah uh do you do you love yourself? Hmm. That's a that's a good question. Um, 
I think I've already answered that. But um, <laughs> see, like you mean, yeah, in this podcast. I mean, just then in the way that I responded. Okay. But, um, all right, that's cool. The the second thing that he spoke to me after that was all I need from you is to acknowledge yourself, and that mm. sounds stupid, but like the little no, things, dude. um, like even acknowledging that I like video games is a huge point of insecurity for me. Me as well. Um, All of us. Yeah. And so <laughs> not me. <laughs> Come on, Key. Robbie's strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh and so when it I think for me, I don't really know what it truly means to love myself just because I feel like when I did I was so covered in pride that I I couldn't see beyond that. Um Yeah. So I think I'm learning how to do that in a mm. in a real way, not in a way that says, oh, I'm the best, but in a way that's like, hey, I suck at these things, but I'm also good at these things. Yeah. And that's just a, a reality, you know? So. Dude, I'm right there with you. Like mm. in the last year, I would say. It's like, that's the, <coughs> oh, I can be in this space and hold both in some sort of tension. Yeah. Like, this is the whole package and... I think I love me. <laughs> it's yeah, probably it's, been yeah. the approach lately. There's also like a lot of there there's so much of when you see the like the canyon between you and what you want to be, right? Oh, that man. like you've decided that being on your side of the canyon is actually having lost, right? Rather than like starting to build any bridges. And so like some of that honesty, not even from a twelve step program kind of feeling, but like an acknowledgement of just like, no, you're just there's no canyon. You're just in a place. Just start walking. Just do anything. Yeah. Do, mm. The direction isn't even really important. Sometimes it's more like, yeah, get the do it, get the engine running, and be okay with where you are. Yeah, dude, yeah. love that, man. Mm. That's good. Mm. Uh, it was just asking that question because there's uh, in the last couple of months there was a conversation Kate and I had. Yeah, it would have been in January, where we were reflecting on some of our story and narrative with faith, and um, we both realized in our conversation that there was this, it was almost like the last step was always, was never talked about in the, in the culture, the Christian culture that we grew up in, which was, it was very important to recognize like God loves you. And like, Oh, cool. Um, and that you were called to be love and that, um, but then the last step was, it was alluded to, but like it was, there was never a full invitation to like, and so maybe you should start loving yourself a bit. Like yeah. it was like, mm. uh, as long as you accept that God loves you, you're good. Like, yeah. But there, I feel like in hindsight, even in my youth pastoring days, I wish I would have, I wish I would have taken kids one step farther to like, so if all this external stuff can love you, yeah. Like when are, when are you going to bring it internal? And yeah. Like just, and what does that even mean? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's something that I, I wonder as well. Like, you love yourself, but... what? How does that play out? Yeah, what does that actually look like in a, in sure. a good way? Yeah. yeah. And, to, and to submit yourself, like, it's so many of the traditional, you know, understandings of Christianity is, like, you're submitting yourself to this sovereign, all-powerful, and loving being. And it's like one of those adjectives gets so left out. It's like the, this... Yeah. If there's any real slogan you should be, like bending your knee to is like you are more saved than you can fight off Dude. like you know what mm. i mean like you the, the grace is more powerful than you and that's the point it doesn't matter what you yeah. think you're atoning for how evil or sinful or whatever you think that's 
Like there is no point of subscribing to Jesus, subscribing to any, any sort of salvation. If you don't even believe it's saving mm. you, you know? Yeah. Like mm. this definitely works for other people. Sure. But it, for whatever reason, it wouldn't apply. To oh, my, and isn't that the thing, right? Grade. You look at everybody else. It's like, man, it's a good thing. Someone showed up for them. What am I about to do though? Like mm. I'm seriously screwed. <laughs> Nobody knows that I'm like looking at porn or I'm looking, I'm yeah. doing this or I'm obsessed with drugs or I'm mean to people or I'm, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's always for everyone else. When does it yeah, actually man. get home? Mm, totally. Let it get home, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's good. For real. Interesting. Yeah. What, what catalyzed the, like, so it was being in the brokenness. Can you pull us back to whatever that moment was? Well, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So it gets a bit vulnerable here. I don't know how censored or uncensored you guys are, but um, uh, we say a lot of words we probably shouldn't say in a public format. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's not. Yeah. Okay. It's just a story, I suppose. But um, if it's a real thing, then it's a real thing. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So growing up, I suppose I I was raised in the the ideals of no sex before marriage. Me too, man. Um, and uh, I'm really curious about <clears throat> how that culture looked and developed. Yeah, look, I it was just very conservative. It was to the point where, like, I wouldn't drink. Drinking was bad. Yeah. I, I had my first beer when I was 19. Drinking age in Australia is 18. Oh, man, delayed um, a year. Yeah, so, like, I just... But it was to the point where it was toxic. I'd, like, shun my friends yeah. if they drank. I'd be like, dude, that is the bad. worst. Like, you are throwing everything away. And it was, like, stupid. It was just that. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so it's that conservative mindset, going to missions, having that pride, having it all fall away, falling into depression, feeling completely betrayed by God and saying, I'm going to do it my way. I don't care. And uh, there was a girl that showed interest. And I was really, I'd never been faced with that before. So I was pretty unaware of what that meant. Um, and uh, we hung out. And then next thing I knew, we were sleeping together. And I was like, I don't know how we got here. I don't know how this happened but I've never felt this broken. Um, and there was just a lot of guilt in my heart. And um, yeah, in the end, when when we called it off, it was two weeks later and I was like, I can't, I just can't do this. Um, she said something along the lines of, I knew what I wanted and I knew that I'd get it from you. Um, and I was like, whoa, oh. that, that stings a bit. Um, totally. Sounds like some brokenness. It takes two itself. to tango. Yeah. 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 In a nutshell, that was it, but I think it was the underlying um I completely threw away everything that I thought I believed in, which brought to life the one of my friends says this thing, um I'm going to stuff it up, but it's along the lines of any human is capable of anything regardless of where they think they are. Like oh, it just man. it's a slippery slope and before you know it you're there and you're like, "Oh, I didn't think I was capable of that." But there it is. Um, just brought a lot of fear into my life. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, what else am I capable of? And in the end, like, that was a few years ago, like four years ago now. I'm at a point now where I'm like, if the church looked at all sin equally, like, <laughs> maybe, you know, we should, like, maybe that would be a healthy way of approaching it. Because when you think about sex before marriage, like, it's like this thing, like, you Dude. were done forever, like... <laughs> Not coming back from this. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well die now. Right. Yeah. Dude, we, Steve and I both grew up exactly in that, that mindset and mm. that mode. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually some, there's like, 
on the back end of it, like going into 13 years of marriage in September, there's some things I'm grateful for about it. But then there was also just like that. Not that all shame is is bad or not useful, but there was some un uh, there was some shame that got beneath my logic, mm. <laughs> right? That, what do you mean by that? Uh, it was I assumed it was just a default part of me, like I am just complete crap, mm. you know. Um, and and I think it came directly from a lot of that um, mm. just purity culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that for me, an experience that was similar to that was also one of my first serious encounters with needing to make art. Was that similar for you? Whoa. I don't know. Oh, I don't know if it came out as a need, but it came out as like a, this is the only place where I feel safe sort of feeling. Your songs were? Yeah. I remember like, it was just a really vulnerable moment. Um, we had just slept together and she was studying music as well. And um, there was a guitar in the corner and I picked up the guitar and I started playing a worship song and she's not a Christian. And I started weeping in front of her and she was like, what is going on right now? And I was like, ah, yeah. All right. By weird. the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go get breakfast? <laughs> it was, it was not an ideal situation at all, but I, we've all dreamed of that moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you launch right into Roman's Road. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I got you to this point. <laughs> Flat to convert, fellas. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Man, we that got is... a true Y whammer right here in uh, our midst. No. Next level missionary dating. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Do the Mission search and destroy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. This can all be deleted. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. That's definitely an We're not, not, We're not his memories. Only if you're uncomfortable I'm, with it. I'm We're easy. good so far. Yeah. Man, mm. that's an interesting time. Yeah, it was. Mm. When was the first time in your life that like the rubber met the road for what you're doing now, songwriting and playing, and like your life experience? Well, I'd say uh, probably my second year. Um, at university. That's cool. Um, my first year I was majoring in vocals and, um, it's a lot of performance and my lecturers tore into me. Um, they, there was a lecturer that, um, I was on stage singing and she stopped the band mid song, which already is a bad (laughs) thing. And she pointed at me in front of everyone. I was one or two vocalists and she's like, you can't sing and you need to stop now. Whoa. Um, in front of the class. It's the worst. The, yeah. This story makes me so angry. Also, just for anyone who hasn't heard Sean's music, maybe listening to this podcast, Sean can super <laughs> sing. Sean has super good pitch. Song, song, Sean's songwriting is super good. So that whole thing was bullshit. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt. <laughs> but again, like I was at a point where I was like, is music something that I can actually jump to? Um, and ha- hearing that, I was like, oh. Maybe not. So that was my first year, and I was at a point where I was like, I'm not doing music anymore. I'm done. And my, my family, for the first time, would be like, Sean, can we hear your music? And I was like, no, nah, I'm not. No, it's not no. happening now. Uh, I don't want to play. Um, anyway, then I changed my majors to composition and music production, got into songwriting, and that I just felt so fostered and cared for in the songwriting community, and it felt like the lecturers were like, dude, do this. Like, go for it. Um and that's when I started rubbing sh- shoulders with people in the 
in the local scene who were writing ads for for television things like that and um i was like maybe this is actually something that i could invest in and i could see the work that i needed to do which to me was a sign like hey i understand this to a level where i can actually like take a step towards it yeah so inside of that what was what i know that for me like i certainly didn't start writing like full songs there's usually like these little bits and pieces is there any chance you like remember like any of the first couple bits <laughs> or anything like that because i mean like sometimes they're hilarious but also sometimes you go back and you're like hey i was doing all right like was there anything like yeah. that well the first song i ever wrote was an accident really yeah that's that is 100 how it felt to me because i was uh sitting in in the living room just scratching around on the guitar and um these words just like started flowing through my mind and it's like I was like, what's going on right now? And I I just sang and it was trash, obviously. But <laughs> I like ran to my mom. I'm like, mom, like, what is this thing that I'm doing right Dig now? This. It's just, if I felt like a wizard, Harry, you know? <laughs> That's yeah, really what this like, podcast should have been called. Wizard Harry. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, and that sort of... Uh, Do you remember what it was about? something religious uh yeah. for sure. ah. um but Dude. i like i think one of the the first half decent songs that i wrote in the verse is something like on your own little patch of dirt what are you striving for what are you striving for what are you striving for dude he's all right dude. guys seriously if you lived <laughs> I mean, in america you'd be playing at our church man. like did you bring your guitar in the car uh, the electric is in there, but that'd be super yeah, hard. To read. <coughs> yeah. Sorry. I actually, uh, for my degree, I thought it would be fun to sort of rewrite that song and re like record it for one of my assessment. It turned out trash. Uh, Wouldn't recommend you listen to it. It's on SoundCloud. The lyric but, is solid, though. Uh, thanks. Yeah, so, um, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. But. Oh, I think so, man. I mean, it's it's your stuff for sure. Mm, dude. So what is the work of of you being a singer-songwriter look like when you're not playing a show? <laughs> a lot of angsty musician thoughts, I suppose. It's hey, uh, yeah. Like what? Uh, sitting in your room brooding over a song that you're not writing and you wish you could. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's the 10 pre-steps to the first 10 steps. It's sort of like when I spoke to my lecturer, I'm like, dude, what do I need to do? Like, how do I do this? Uh, what shows do I need to play? Who do I need to speak to? And he just looked at me. He's like, "Just write good songs." Seriously, like, <laughs> damn you, dude! It, it, that's what every producer worth his salt will tell you yeah. every time. It's like, dude, you got to have better songs than that. Yeah. You have to write better songs. And wow. so, and I, amongst that, like I was talking to this guy, and he, um, he's he produce he's he's producing a Nashville artist, an Australian artist who performs in Nashville. I don't actually know her name, but um. He was like, she's been in the industry for 20 years and she's got an amazing voice, but her songwriting is lacking. And what I see in you is you've got the songwriting where she doesn't. And for him to even say that, I was like, I don't know what that means, but if you see that in me, like... Yeah, if I match her skills it, in those other areas, yeah, that's pretty intense. Sort of means that there's this nugget of something in me that with enough time invested into it, it could turn into something, yeah. which is like, it's just that hopeful thought, you know? And um, I think there's a saying that says, 
it's 10% talent, 90% work. Um, you can't rely solely on talent. That's sort of why when people come to me and they're like, oh man, I wish I could be a musician. I'm like, you probably could. Like if you really invested the time, like you probably could do it. Yeah. Um, maybe not to like a Beyonce level, but you could like play at church or well if you have 13 professionals that write for you then you totally could do it to a beyonce (laughs) level just have to be able to dance that's pretty much all it requires you heard me beyonce Beyonce. man Mm. so i like the if you're willing to talk about what is what is just the the songwriting so like you start with a chord you start with a lyric where do you start um i if anything, it starts with emotion for me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I always, when I write, I'll play guitar and it'll just feel really dry to me, honestly. Like um, that's usually how I start songwriting. It feels pretty dead. And then I'll just keep playing until I start feeling something. And then once that emotion comes up, the lyrics just fall into my head, which is sort of how I wrote that first song. Um, because like I was speaking about it earlier, like, coming from the brokenness and having somewhere where I can actually process the thoughts where it was sport before and now it's music. When I lean into that, I'm able to actually organize my mind and actually know why I'm feeling what I'm feeling and not just like this mixture of everything that's going on inside. Yeah. So it's something like that. I don't have it like nailed to a T, but it's very much, yeah, just emotion-based what I'm going through, diary, note-taking sort of writing, yeah. Can I ask, uh, I'm curious, so you play guitar, you sing, you play other instruments too? Not really. I can, like, jump on piano and actually work out chords, but I can't play. Yeah, so on a theoretic level, I can do that. Okay, so for most musicians, and especially people who sing, play, and write, uh, I'm guessing there's some chronology there where you could say that you began thinking of yourself as a musician, as someone who could play an instrument, then at another point you began thinking of yourself as someone who could sing. Mm. Because some of the stories you've been telling in early in your career of people telling you that you can't sing. Yeah. So unless you just thought they were all stupid and you're like, no, I can't, and I'm great. Uh, at, some, at some point you probably came to you know an event horizon where mm. you began to see yourself as a singer as opposed to maybe someone that plays guitar who sings along with his guitar playing. Yeah. And then at some point I see myself or you see yourself as a songwriter. Mm, mm. So can you kind of talk about that chronology if yeah, yeah, if yeah. I haven't superimposed something? No, on no, you? that was pretty accurate, to be honest. And ironically, um, roughly the time that my lecturer told me I couldn't sing, um, another lecturer approached me and was like, hey, I want you to be a part of the show that we're hosting for the university. And I was like, Someone, like, just told me I can't do this, so why are you telling me I can? Um, And it was, uh, so that was, was, what, um, 19 when that happened, and I did the show, and um, it went all right. I don't think it went very well, but I think shortly after, roughly that point, um, I was having some lessons, and when when we started out, my, my vocal coach was like, just tinkling on the piano and she played a minor second interval. So it's like a white key right next to the black key. So it's just like semitone and I couldn't distinguish it with my ear. And that's like, just shows you how bad I was in terms of like oral recognition. And, um, but then a few months later I could gauge those intervals. I could sing the intervals. I could actually hear what I needed to do with my voice. And so around that time, 
I sort of almost acknowledged the fact that, hey, maybe I can sing to a decent level. Yeah. And then when I jumped over to composition and music production, <clears throat> I worked with a, a lecturer who um, studied at Berkeley songwriting and um, she was like had like had some lessons with John Mayer and stuff and she uh taught me songwriting and and I just asked her honestly like is this actually something that I can pursue or or realistically would you tell me that I it's just something that I can enjoy on the side because I just wanted that honesty like mm -hmm. if you if you write songs and you show your mom she's always going to tell you that it's good so good yeah but I needed someone who can actually do this to to give me the truth in that like whether it's harsh or not, I just needed to know so I don't waste my time sort of thing um, or don't deceive myself. And she was like, no, there's something there. Like you need to foster it, give it time to grow and develop. But I think there might be something there. And for me, that was enough to run with. So, yeah. Do you, do you credit uh, some of those human interactions? Like do you think about those <laughs> things on a frequent basis? I'm asking all this because there's a particular memory for me I grew up getting piano lessons and stuff as a kid. My parents kind of put us all on piano lessons. None of us wanted to do it. None of us showed any proclivity at all. Yeah. And then at a certain age, I, for some reason, would, just became super obsessed with learning to play the piano. And I spent like three or four hours a day for years. So by the time I was like 13, I was doing solo concerts and stuff like that. Um, and I would sing as I was learning how to play. I, I was working through like, you know, jazz fake books and that kind of thing. Um, but I definitely did not consider myself a singer. And then I do like, you know, sing at church or go to youth camps and be involved in music and sing and whatever. Still never would never consider myself a singer. This day, I remember a moment when a friend who's still one of my closest friends, I'd sang a song. And afterwards he said, wow, bro, you got pipes. That's exactly Dude. verbatim what he said. And it was in that moment where I was like, and looking back, I know that how I was singing back then. I did not have pipes. Like it, I was not good. I was very flat. Like I'm mm. naturally a flat singer. So, um, you know, you learn obviously to adjust your yeah. pitch with the mechanics of, mm. of the voice. Um, but to this day, like I, I can definitely point to that as the watershed moment where I began like, Oh, I guess I can think of myself as yeah. being a singer now, yeah. which is kind of strange. And I think that's what you need. Like if I'm honest, like even just doing this tour last week with Noah and, um, Brian, a large part of me was like leaning into them almost in an annoying way to sort of be like, is this something that I can do? Like, do you guys actually see me as someone that you're willing to tour with or am I just the charity case that you're allowing to come with? Um, so I'm still very much working on that identity within myself yeah. to say like, hey, maybe. I'm owning it. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting balance. Yeah. It's mm. good. Who would you say that you like idolize songwriter wise? Like if you, or even a better question I think would be like what is the ideal you as a songwriter look like? Don't even I, yeah, let's do away with like the who would you who would you be like cuz that's No, stop pointing yourself. Wait, don't do that. <laughs> How much like me would you be if you could? No. Uh, I mean uh, seriously though, what what mm. is like the ideal version of you as an artist, an artiste as you always say? Artiste well, I want to answer your original question, just not Please. in a cheesy way, but like Johnny Cash, not oh, man. not just because his music's good, but I think the story behind, mm. like 
starting out, he wasn't encouraged to p- play music. Like it wasn't something that I didn't know that the people around him were like, "Hey, you should definitely go do that." They were sort of like, "Dude, I don't know if you can do this." Uh, um, Jury's but, still out, but yeah, <laughs> it is not out, Harry. No, no, he, he's uh, and the way that he was raised, like um. All of his backstory for me is just a, a wonderful testament to like a man who who had a desire and wasn't willing to just live a life where he didn't actually try. Um, so in terms of songwriting, um, if there's one thing that this tour has showed me is that I want my songs to mean more than just songs. Um, and I feel like at the moment my songs, they have meaning, but they don't convey it in a strong way. Um mm. So as a songwriter, I'd like to be able to speak more into what's going on. In is it the emotion that doesn't necessarily translate? Yeah, it just doesn't feel like it. it's communicated well, if that makes sense. Yeah. There is that thing always, like when you go through an art museum, like the first question I ask is like, if especially if I don't get it, right? <laughs> is like, was this intended to just be like this introspective, you know, dive into this guy's own psyche that we're not supposed to get but we think is aesthetically beautiful despite not having any idea what the hell he's talking about mm. or is this guy a really brilliant communicator and i still don't know what he's talking about yeah, you know am i missing yeah. it so i totally dude mm. i totally get that and it is good to surround yourself with people then in that case too who are going to be like listen i know your story so i'm not disrespecting you but no one knows what the hell you're talking about with yeah, this song. And I've exactly. gotten that a number of times where it's just like, shoot, <laughs> back oh, yeah. to the drawing board. Because mm. It doesn't invalidate the feeling, but songs are still kind of a bit of a product. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have people who come and tell you like, hey, this song meant this to me, which was completely off. Does that like a, is that a moment where you go, oh, bummer? Or is it a, oh, that's a cool perspective? Yeah, I usually tend to lean into it as like, ah, oh, that's cool. I have no idea how you got that, but that's <laughs> awesome. And I'm glad that you got something. <laughs> so that I'll never say no to, to whatever it speaks to people. Just because I know for me personally, when I've heard music that's just like rocked my world, especially like going through the crap, like it really carried me through. So like whether they meant it that way or not, I don't really care. That's what I got out of it. So. Yeah, man. What are so you're going to Charlotte, and then do you head back, or are you in Charlotte for a while? I'll be in Charlotte for like a week and a half, I think. Okay. Then Portland for a week, and then back to Australia. Then back to Australia. What uh, what are the tensions you feel like you're gonna find yourself in when you get back to Australia? The tensions? Yeah. What do you mean by that? What are the things that you're going to have to navigate, figure out? Literally everything. Uh, <laughs> so I don't have a job. I don't have anywhere to stay. Um, I, like, I like closed all my doors just because I wanted to open my life up to literally anything. So, um, Which is why I'm on tour right now. That's something that came along quite unexpectedly. Um, but uh, like I said, my friend's working on a feature film. So I might fly to Darwin, which is like mid north australia um yeah and help him with the film and by help i mean like carry around the water bottle or something yeah, I don't yeah. know. um can i drink this if i carry it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and then after that it's navigating just life i'm excited to get a job i'm excited to get into a community a church of some sort yeah. um 
find a place to live um and then just really get into gigging in sydney and building a community um songwriting writing good songs songs that i'm proud of at least um and then i want to in within my next two year goal is to to fundraise and to do an ep with those songs so it's sort of Sweet. like setting goals within goals sort yeah. of thing yeah that's kind of my next is what's the next six months look like for you and so it's mm. figuring out basic stuff yeah but then <coughs> writing good songs yeah yeah songs sort of turn into old friends for me i think um and so when you come back to them there's just this feeling of this song knows me better than i know me in a way like mm. Or the song like grows with you in a way that like it means something different to me now than it did when I so much. It's weird. Like yeah. I feel like the song that I wrote three years ago makes more sense now than it did then. Yeah, dude, yeah. there's shockers in there, mm. especially the ones that you think are like absolute crap too. Where you're just like, yeah, later you get the shivers. You're like, holy crap, mm. that mm. that was right actually. Yeah, the closest yeah. I've ever experienced that is just the notes in the iCloud, right? Where I don't write songs but just some that's not entirely true well yeah i guess that's true um but writing some of the just the random thoughts that i've had but it was an interest it does feel like an old friend a couple of those writings were like oh i forgot about you yeah we need to hang out yeah because yeah, there's yeah. something here it's a really fun yeah. feeling just got to spend a bit of time with it and tease it out get to know it and yeah quite often it'll be refined in something Amazing will come out. Man, mm. giving it space to breathe a bit mm. and even change yourself. That's cool. You guys are welcome to dive in on questions too. All right, I have one that connects to you. You mentioned Johnny Cash earlier. Yeah. I forget the name of the song. It's one of his prison songs. It's not Folsom Prison Blues. Okay. It's the other one. Ooh. Okay, so I, I'd heard the song a bunch of times and I always thought like, eh, it's it's you know it's it's okay. It's one of the okay Johnny Cash songs. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw the 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 video of the live concert because I, I was always heard the live recording everybody mm. in the audience loved it I saw the live recording and he's singing the song about the prison that he was in in the prison that he was in doing a concert for inmates in that prison and the song is all about how like this prison has never done anything for me and I can't wait to be out of it and it's like one of the greatest music moments of all time wow <laughs> so I'm curious um you're 22, right? Yeah. And you have a lot of life left to to experience, Hopefully, and yeah. your story will, will shift over time. <laughs> but I'm curious, like, assuming right we don't now, take rallies anymore, <laughs> or if I make it through the Greyhound, yeah, yeah no rallies for us. Based on your life right now, if there was like a song you were going to write for your people that would be like that, what would it be? Oh, Ooh, that's a big question. Um, for my people. Honestly, like, it'll be about family, I think, and what it actually means to be in family. Like, I know, like, when I go to my friends' houses and their parents are still together, I, I like, sit at the dinner table and I'm just watching them because I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, both the parents are sitting at the table. And for me, like, I've got so much fear about having a family of my own just because I don't know, I don't know what it means to to do family in a good way or in a right way um and so really if i could speak into that and be a voice that someone could listen to and be like wow like this might be what family is or this is i'm not alone in my fear of family or like 
my longing for it or I don't know, something like that. Yeah, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot actually, but yeah, it'd be that. What man, I don't have a good follow up question. I wish I did. I'm getting into my tired brain. What else do we need to what know about you? I think I've got one. My favorite, my favorite question. What's what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> What's one thing you wish someone would have told you ten years ago? Mm. It's gonna sound very cliche. Um, it's okay to to not know, mm. and it's okay to make choices that hurt. Yeah, choices that hurt. Yeah, because you're 12. Because you're 12. I mean, I guess. Uh, I mean, 10 years a, is sort of like an illusory number. It's what do you like, wish you would have been told earlier than you know now? I mean, when I was 12. And Roger, you're fired. <laughs> honestly, when I was 12, I I was at a point in, in life where I wasn't being babied anymore. So, like, mm. having that conversation, I think for me personally, would have been beneficial. Because um, my parents weren't. Like, when I was 12, my mom sat me down and told me that she was leaving. Yeah. Um, this is one of the things I wanted to get back to. Yeah. Not in like a, hey, I'm I'm leaving, but it's sort of like, I need to get out of here. Um, but I'm coming back. And to me, I was like, oh, so you're not, that she never went back. So it was a strange thing. Mm. But yeah. Like never went back as in you still haven't connected with your <coughs> mom or? No, like, so... Um, my dad was angry, abusive, um, and my mom had just given birth to my sister, um, and she went away to visit friends um, on the other side of Australia. So, like, Perth is on the west coast, Townsville's on the east coast where we lived. So she went away, and it was just my brother, my sister, and I in the house with my dad. And um, one night I was playing on my Nintendo and my dad was like, hey, I need you to go to bed. And I was like, oh, okay, just give me a second. And he came back five minutes later. He's like, hey, I need you to go to bed. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, I was just one second. And um, stoned into my room a few minutes later and strangled me. And um, then when my mom got back, I was like, ah, oh, this thing happened. And a week later, she was like, hey, I'm moving to another house. So I just need some space from your dad. But I'll move back here soon. Don't have to worry. Um, and we moved with her, so we left my dad. And we were like, oh, we don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm just here. I thought maybe there was, for some reason, mom just wanted to live in another house. Um, yeah, but she never moved back is what that meant. Um, and so from that point on, I did 50-50. So I did every Wednesday, I'd be, I'd swap houses so I'd have to organize my books, my clothes. If I didn't organize my clothes for the week, like I wouldn't have anything to wear for school. Or So it's sort of at a point in life where that conversation, like it's okay to like not have it together and actually not have to fit all these balls into the, you know, so. Yeah. Did, uh, <laughs> and if, uh, I don't want to lead this question, I guess. Uh, did the... How'd you separate the the picture that you learn about the divine through your parents from maybe what you've now experienced? Oh, <laughs> I think um, that that is something that's still going on, I think, right now. Um, yeah. Because it, 
people commonly say that your your idea of who God the Father is is typically how you view your own father. And um, right. um, when the divorce happened, my dad started going to church heaps and um, heaps. <laughs> that's an Australianism. That's that's <laughs> something that we say. Um, uh, yeah, and so he uh, he slowly started changing in the sense of instead of just yelling or getting angry, he'd be like, "Let's just talk about it." And yeah. I was like, this is what weird. What is happening? I don't know how to <laughs> respond to this at all. Um, and um, I saw that and started going to church and I was like, wow, like they're changing. And um, so I was like, this is cool. And then years passed, kept doing 50-50. My dad um, remarried, which is really tough. But underlying all of that, despite the changes, there was still this element of control within him. Um like he met a woman and got married to her six months later. She had four kids. Um, and when that happened, he was like, you need to be a part of this. Like you have to respect her. You have to honor her. Um, I need you to sit next to me at church. It was very much like we have to put up this show for everyone else who's watching and you you just have to do it. And I'm like, I don't know who these people are. Like you're you're asking me to behave like she's my mother and she's not like you can't force that on me um and so i thought of god as this controlling like you need to do these things and you need to whatever and um but then my dad started leading marriage ministries he started working with men going through divorces and this huge story of reconciliation and guiding broken men through healing um and i was like this is amazing like this is god restoring and so like I eased into that and then again in grade 11 so that was like four three years after my parents sort of got divorced I went out to a birthday party with my girlfriend and her friends and um I I remember texting my dad I'm like again he needs the details he's an analyst he's like I need information I'm like dad don't worry like in terms of picking me up I've organized a lift. You don't have to worry about it. Like, I'll be home at this time. Got home, like, a little bit late. And it's like, this is a big issue. Anyway, I get home, and they're ready to fight. And I, like, you know when you walk into the into the room, and you're like, mm. <laughs> You can smell it. Oh, yeah. like, it just feels real tense right now. <clears throat> and um, my dad starts yelling at me. And I just, I'm like, it was strange. Like it, usually, when you tell a story, people are like, "Oh, well, you're getting this guy's point of view and this guy's point of view." But all that I remember is how calm I felt, which is strange because usually in heated em- emotion, I cry. Like that's just my response. I'm like, "Oh, let's, let's just cry." Um, yep. <laughs> uh, anyway, I was really calm, and I told my dad, "No, like just check your phone. The messages are there. I know I was late. It's, I'm sorry, but just." And he said, "No, nah, I'm not going to check my phone." I'm like. Why? Like, what is happening? <laughs> um, yeah. And so my stepmom then steps in and is like, no, you miscommunicated. You're irresponsible. And I'm like, no, just check the phone. And when I spoke back to her, my dad, he flipped and um, pushed me against the door and again strangled me. And in that moment, again, it was just really calm. And I looked at him and I told him, you just crossed the line and you can't go back. And um, he pushed me outside of the door and we were on the second floor and he was like, I'm going to throw you down these stairs. Um, And my stepmom slowly opens the door and just says, hey, uh, honey, can you just keep it down? The kids are sleeping. 
And to me, I was like, my concept of God in that moment just shattered. Like I was like, here's a man who's worship leading tomorrow night. Um, and I can't reconcile this in my mind right now. And I ended up running and I was hiding under a bridge and called my mom and she drove across town to come pick me up that night. And in that moment, it just created so much brokenness. I went and spoke to my pastor the next week and I'm like, how, how does this happen? And he told me something about, you know, people are broken. The church is broken. Like it's imperfect. And at the time I was like, that's not a good enough (laughs) response. Like you, that's not good enough. Um, went back and my brother stepped in and he was like dude that sucks he wasn't living at home he was studying and I'm sorry but I'd encourage you to speak to them and reconcile just heal my brother's amazing he's he's actually amazing and he's like walked me through all of these things um so I go back and for about two hours like a teenager I'm just lying on the couch real like just staring up at the roof like I just don't want to do it because I I truly went there to speak about it and be like, hey, I'm hurting. And obviously there's something going on here with you guys. But they took that opportunity to tell me that I was just lazy. I needed to get a job. I needed to earn my food. My dad always said this thing of like, you need to earn your keep. Like you can't just. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's fair enough. But I'm, yeah. And it just turned into more hurt. Um, Yeah. But yeah, if you fast forward that to now, um, on my 21st, um, had some time with my dad because it got worse from there um, to the point where when I moved to Sydney, I wanted nothing to do with my dad at all. Like, I didn't want to speak to him. And again, my brother was like, dude, you just, dad's broken. Like, he comes from, like, he, my, my father's history is really bad. Um, it's like, he doesn't dad, do, do <coughs> those actions out of just, hey. <coughs> no, it's not just like, oh, I want to be like this. He's truly trying to fight it, which is why he's, I love my dad. Like, this is where I'm going now. But um, my brother said, dude, your dad doesn't know how to communicate well. That's a fact. And he's broken. So for this to work, you need to reach out to him. You need to actually take the initiative. I know he's your father. I know he's the man who gave you life. But sometimes you need to want to take the initiative. Um, And I was like, dude, that's what the heck? Like, it's not my responsibility. Yeah. But again... um. Anyway, so my 21st, we spent a weekend together. And I, I asked him, like, why would you do that? Like, those, all those years ago. And I could tell, like, a little bit of him. He just looked really small. And yeah. he's like, I I don't know what to tell you. Like, I can't undo that. Um, but it wasn't right, and I'm sorry. But um, mm. I can't fix it. I have to, I need God's grace in this just as much as you need God's grace in life. And again, I felt like, dude, that, that is not that. But going through that, I realized that God's grace is that thing that is freely given and it doesn't make sense. It isn't something that's like you can wrap in a box and be like, yeah, this is what it is. And you can just, you know, um, it's not fair. Um, and that's sometimes the thing that stumps me. Like God's grace isn't fair. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so since then, um, me and my dad have been speaking heaps and there's been a lot of healing and, um, he'll come to me randomly at times and be like, Hey, I just thought of this thing that I did all these years ago. And I just want to say, sorry. And I'm like, wow, like that, that's amazing. Um, 
we're really we're close. Again, like he's raising children. He's raising a second generation. The eldest is like 13 right now. The youngest is eight. So he's raising oh. four kids who aren't his. Um, one of the most humble men that I know coming from where he, he came from and just a real example to me and a testament of God's grace again that, that shows that, hey, I can restore these things and in the same way I can restore family I can restore brokenness and go from there so yeah dude so it's almost in the process of staying in that tension that you're it's rewiring <coughs> your thoughts on very much on what God looks like yeah. yeah yeah so I saw God as controlling but now I see him as humble but I need to, in a way, like I'm I'm on the journey of sort of breaking him from my concept of a humanly dad and sort of trying to see him as this this dude who, who just loves his children and um he's not out to get you. He just he isn't fair in the best way possible. It's like right, right. I'm just gonna love you and you don't you don't deserve this, but I I want to. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's beautiful. Dude, uh, in that process, and you might have already ended up naming some of this, but one of my favorite questions on this podcast is what are you just absolutely convinced of? Convinced of? Um, is that, uh, that's a broad question. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to narrow it in on something? Or, um, uh, no. No? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Were you just asking Usually for something help? unrelated to like food or yeah. unnecessary thing. Pizza's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Roads are what cars drive up. <laughs> do you know that for sure? Oh, uh, who knows? Sometimes rednecks do crazy things. Yeah, I guess I should offer a little more. <laughs> Sean learned the phrase rednecks like four days ago. <laughs> yes. We call them bogans over in Australia. Um, bogans? Yeah. Bogans. Yeah. You can't say that. <laughs> Way to appropriate their entire culture. Yeah. Uh, Bogan hater. Bogan. Um, what am I convinced of? The church is broken. Um, people are broken. Uh, but God chose to love us. And um, I think... In my heart, um, I know that God loves me. And um, I don't know how I'm convinced of that because right now I'm angry at God for some reason, but I don't know why. Um, mm. So I'm still working that out. But yeah. yeah, sort of the fallback for me is that. Yeah. yeah. Moving forward, I assume that you always want songwriting and God to be both of them disparately a part of your identity but how much do they match up in how you envision yourself as a songwriter like publicly mm. um, yeah I hope that question makes sense mm. um, yeah like quite often I think as a musician you're asked uh, are you going to be a secular songwriter or a Christian uh, <laughs> songwriter and that question annoys me a little bit, um, but like I want to be the the type of songwriter that communicates God without all the flashy lights, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like yeah. just in a real visceral sort of way, like and not make him religious. I want him to be as real as you are sitting in this room, you know. Um, 
So when I when I talk about songwriting, it's not necessarily talking like praise the Lord sort of music. It's more like this is like my family's broken, but there's there's healing there. Something like you know that sort of yeah. Hmm. <laughs> okay, I have a. It's this is kind of a random question, and it's a shot in the dark. How old were you when you moved from South Africa to Australia? I was nine. You were nine. Okay, and you were born in South Africa. Yeah. Okay. Um. So South Africa is one of those places in the world. As Americans, like we're all we're all white men, so we're part of very much majority culture in the US. Um, South Africa, that's not the case. If you're a white person in South Africa, you could very much have a, a minority identity um, and experience being a white man in a very, very different way than someone who was born and raised in the US. So I don't know if by the time you were you were nine years old, you moved, so maybe that doesn't mean anything to you. But I'm just curious, like, is that any part of your um, history? A little bit, but not much. You okay. know, um, in the communities tend to segregate in a way like um and it's unhealthy but since leaving like when i was still there like it wasn't as bad as it is now i think it's turned to like counter racial tension where it's now white oppression versus black oppression um which in a logical sense makes complete sense in like a hey you deserve this sort of thing because you did this to us um but uh yeah, I didn't like I experienced it but not in a real sense. Like I could see it, but I didn't live it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar with the term third culture? Okay. So people who um are raised in multiple extremely disparate cultures, especially ones that go back and forth, um, are described as being third culture in that they don't typically see one particular culture as being their real native culture. Um, so as someone who, you know, spent significant amount of time in two pretty different places, is that, does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, I think so. Um, cause even my Australian friends are like, Hey, you've got a weird Australian accent. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah, I could, I could understand that to a degree. Yeah. Australian and South African cultures does white South African cultures. They're pretty similar. Um, uh, you like a barbecue out back and you, you like nature and you're just pretty laid back. Um, so the cultures and it's Western, right? So like Australia and America are pretty similar, you know, it's like that sort of lifestyle. Um, but there is a little bit of that, I think. Yeah. How, uh, how can people find your music? Is it anywhere yet? Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm on SoundCloud. Um, it's sort of the in between where you sort of like, want to put songs out but you don't actually want to fully release them so it's there if people want to listen to them to get an idea of what's up but yeah what's your soundcloud uh it's just my name sean kirsten so that's s-h-a-u-n and then kirsten k-i-r-s-t-e-n just say h h say it like you normally <laughs> say h. It. H. Yeah. h h yeah uh, welcome to america and then so tell me about spiders <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> I'm gonna leave Yeah well Australia's got some spiders Yeah um, Just yeah. even start Like tell me about What it's like To live in a world Where huntsman spiders exist Okay <laughs> so Huntsman spiders They're non-venomous 
they're anything from like a penny to like your mother, like your entire <laughs> mother. Like that's huge. Like probably just a bit <laughs> smaller than your face, like <laughs> or your outstretched hand, I think. Um so they they they're either tiny or massive, um, or just in between. But they're pretty aggressive, so this uh when we first moved to Australia uh, we were renovating this house and my dad thought it would be a good idea to buy a house that was completely like overrun with bushes and shrubs and everything and like black walls and he just wanted to renovate it, sell it, make a bit of money. Uh, anyway, we had these like tiles that were like an inch or two thick. They were just concrete tiles. And so we were knocking the tiles out and we we see this spider just walk out in, into the hallway and it's the weirdest thing. It's sort of like a horror movie where the the villain like steps into the hallway and you're like oh hell um <laughs> and my None mom was like pregnant <laughs> she was eight months pregnant and it was me and my brother and we're just like staring at this thing we don't know what it's gonna do and it just starts charging down the the <laughs> hallway it was sort of like that harry potter scene where they're in the forest and the spiders are chasing after them so there's just one spider in the hallway and we're all like backing up and my mom trips over and it was just mental. I don't actually know what happened to the spider, but yeah, it probably died. Um, yeah, so they're, 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 in terms of personality, they're, they're aggressive, but they're not poisonous. Their bites, their bites hurt a ton though, right? Yeah, yeah. They're known like to be quite bad. painful. That's yeah. Insane. Do the, you got to. You got to do the Taipan story. So like <laughs> snakes are everywhere in Australia, apparently. And this is like the 50th time that I've made you tell this story. But this is just like <laughs> the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. So we got snakes there as well. Um, they're, they're, is that so? Yeah. Yeah. They're around a little bit. Um, I Googled and watched a video about this snake. That's my <laughs> extensive experience with snakes as well. So yeah. No, yeah. yeah. I've had a few fallouts. I'll just say statistically, if you're going to get bitten by a, a snake, it's probably because you're an idiot. Um, so, uh, <laughs> well, you said like it, the, the only really the main, the, the most time you get killed by a snake is if you try to kill it yourself. Yeah, that's right? right. So, usually, if you leave it alone or you just freeze or you walk away, like you're safer than if you're going to try and attack it. Um, but yeah, so my dad, after the divorce, he just moved to this little apartment by the river. And um, I was pushing my bike out, and it looked like there was a a rope on the floor. And now that's a that's a key plot point. Don't forget about that detail. Um, Foreshadowing. This is a long story. You're gonna need that in an hour. <laughs> anyway, so I like progress. Uh, I look at the trees, and it's, uh, no. So I flick my leg over the bike, and as I do that, I notice that this this rope suddenly starts moving. And again, mm. wizardry, right? Um, Harry. <laughs> That's no rope. <clears throat> yeah, it's whoa. Um and so as I lift my 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 other leg up to get on to the pedal and like hit the road, the snake strikes at my foot and it just goes misses me and just goes underneath my foot under the bike and I pedal and I just get out of there. And it turns out it's a coastal taipan so it's one of the most poisonous snakes in the country. Blah, blah, blah. Um yeah, so that was mental. Another story, I was water skiing with my friends and um we were water sitting by snakes. the snakes. 
Well, it's been good. Thanks for coming. Yeah. No, I, in that first story, I thought the plot twist was going to be the snake was going right for your foot and missed it, went under your bike and killed another snake that was about to attack you. Dude, that would have been sick. It's been great having you, Roger. Really good to have you saying literally anything on this podcast. Water skiing. Uh, yeah, I'm having a sandwich by the water. It's a good sandwich. I think it was like uh, ham and cheese. Tell us know. more about the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to stretch out the suspense, you know. And uh, anyway, like out of the blue, I had no idea what was going on. This red belly black snake just sails straight over my lap, like mm-hmm. on my legs. Mm-hmm. And I like yeah. jump in the water and jump onto the boat. And my sandwich was completely dry. Unlike your pants. Yeah, it was amazing. And June the formed the Vatican like, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys. It's a miracle. A, I'm a saint. <laughs> yeah. There's a picture of an antidote in the shape of a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need a million dollars retainer. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I only need two more for my canonization. Yeah, they're around a little bit. Um, mm. Is there a question that... You would like the 20 people who listen to this to ponder that you think, hey, this is a good question people should ask themselves. Um, if you're ever eating a ham and cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man, I don't know. Um, what does it mean to love yourself? I think it's probably the question that I'll be asking myself. Yeah, so. that's cool. Yeah. Love it. Dude, thank you so much. Yeah, no Anything worries. else you want to talk about? Let us know about no. I really appreciate how vulnerable you got, and this is like that's that's the feeling of like man, I I wish I could figure out how to help people go here every time I do one of these. So mm. I really appreciate you just setting that tone. Hopefully for folks, uh, no worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, amazing, Sean. Thanks, man. Yeah, um, all right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>